Welcome to Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope as you listen to this message that you will encounter God's transforming presence. You know, the very first time I met you, Steve, you did a very similar thing. It was at Hemel Hempstead at a Partners in Harvest conference in Hemel Hempstead Community Church. And Steve was about to preach and everyone was like, where's Steve? And you were sat on the back row with, with, I was an intern at the time. And you were sat on the back row with me and Dan Graham and Deb Smith and a few other Toronto grads. And everyone was like, where's Steve? And Steve was hiding on the back row. So you haven't broken a habit. <laughs> Sitting. Sitting with the people. <laughs> yeah, come on. It's amazing. But why don't you reach out a hand to Steve, everybody? Oh, Father, we thank you for Steve. We thank you for just the incredible anointing this man carries, for the, the gift that he is to the kingdom of God and to the, our church family as Catch the Fire. And God, we ask that you bless him today, but we do also open our ears and our hearts to hear what he has to bring as well. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good. Is there Wi-Fi in this place? Um, there can be. Because otherwise I can't get to my Bible. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. Good to be back. Last time we were here, you had a Sunday, and then you had one of your um, Monday nights pushing in for God, and the band was in the middle. That was really amazing. I just remember the presence of God there that night. It was uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to do a little talk in the series that you're in, looking at it, Exodus 16, 17. Yes. Yep. Does this need to be this close to you? Because you're, I, I sometimes spit when I talk. I didn't, I didn't put this right here. Just that, I don't want you to be part of the splash zone. Of, is it? All right. Yep. Anyways, so we're going to talk about that. Can I talk for two minutes about how the apostolic works within Catch the Fire? Would that be all right? So in the scriptures, you know that there's five roles, spiritual roles that churches have, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And it's men and women in the scriptures, apostles were ladies just as much as men. And um, in a couple cases, the lady apostle was better than the guy apostle that she married. Um, Quilla and Priscilla, if you remember that couple, up higher. Okay, thank you. and uh, in Catch the Fire, we value apostolic people. We don't uh, title anyone as apostle something. No one likes to use that as a title because in the scriptures, the word apostle was never, ever, 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 ever a title. Paul never called himself apostle Paul. He said Paul called to be an apostle. So it's a function, if I can say it like that. Yep. So anyways, that's why I don't like anyone calling me at our church in Toronto, Pastor Steve is because it's a function as opposed to a title. No one calls you plumber Bob or, you know, factory worker Jill, you know. Uh, so anyways, that, that's part of it. And the other reason why I don't like being called pastor is because it implies that I care. And um, that's my wife's role. She's amazing at caring. I'm, I'm better at leading and vision and those kind of things. So anyways, long story short. So little history, this church you may not know, was founded by John and Carol Arnott. And they spent about a year consulting with other leaders within the Catch the Fire Partners and Harvest uh, network of churches that we had as to if we're going to start a a church in London, where should it be? And the choice was Northwest London. And uh, early on, John and Carol asked Stu and Chloe if they would be the leaders. And partly to help, we had a couple from England in Toronto on our leadership team called Ed and Kamiko King and they were getting ready to move back and so they were encouraged this is uh, you know consider this your new home and along with Tom and Abby there was three couples that began this church with John and Carol functioning as the apostolic leaders behind the scenes and for those of you who have tenure uh, with this church you'll know that John and Carol visit twice a year uh, and then began to send in other people on our leadership team like Duncan and Kate Sandra, myself, Dan Slay, people like that. And that's what apostolic people do, is they work with leaders to make a church better, stronger. We send in prophets because that's a big part of of growing a church is what is the Lord saying? And so people like Isabel and uh, David Wagner and people like that, you've had some of the best of the world assist you uh, to become a great church. And so that's the the function of apostles is, is largely behind the scenes and it's largely working with the, the leaders 
and in the case of most of our countries uh, where Catch the Fire is, we work with, uh, if I can call it the legal uh, part of your church, which is your trustees. And we encourage every church to register as a charity to follow the rules of the nation for charitable law, for safe uh, guarding finances, all those different kind of things. So that's the good part. If problems arise, the apostolic team are also involved and largely behind the scenes. And, you, and most people won't see it, won't know it, but they're working, uh, talking through the issues and uh, talking with the board. And so that's been a part of what's been happening over the last five years with this church, and especially the last couple of years, is behind the scenes, uh, a team of people who love you, love your church, love your leaders, have been uh, doing that kind of stuff. And so I'm part of that team. And uh, talked to Dan and Ash and said, you know, I'm going to Bulgaria on Sunday. Maybe I could come a couple days early because I do like English curries. But we didn't have one yet. We had a barbecue last night, which was quite good. But yeah, we still have a few hours. My wife is uh, flying. Uh, she's in the air as we speak. Actually, she could be landing any moment now. Her flight's supposed to land at noon. She's going to stay at the airport. We're, we're flying out tonight to Vienna and then on to Bulgaria, as you, as you said. So anyways, good. Exodus chapter 17, everyone. Do you have your Bibles? Yeah. Digital, on phone, like I do? How would you describe what your sermon series is about? Hearing God, doing what he says, so being led by the Spirit, those kind of things, yep. So in Exodus chapter 17, we have a, uh, an interesting passage where the nation of Israel are not very happy because they're, <laughs> they're thirsty, they're hungry. And I don't know if you've read the stories about Moses, but when Moses is the leader, most of the miracles that he has for those 40 years with the nation, they're get-by miracles, is what I call them. Uh, we don't have food. We need food to be able to get by and live. We need water. Th those were his kind of miracles that he did, uh, led by the Spirit of God. Joshua, his successor, his miracles are very, very different. They are conquer cities, <coughs> conquer city miracles. Hold back the sun so we can win this battle. Knock a city wall down inside, not outside. Like crazy, amazing things. And so... Uh, Joshua's step forward even, even more than Moses did, if we can say it like that. Exodus chapter 17, we have a problem. Verse 1, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. It's just a coincidental name, sin. <laughs> uh, prophetically, they moved from there from place to place. Eventually, they capped, uh, camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. <coughs> so once more, the people complained against Moses. God bless Moses, but he didn't have an easy time. Didn't have an easy time. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? Why are you testing the Lord? Interesting that Moses, as the leader appointed by God to lead the people, he said, if you're accusing me, you're actually accusing the Lord because I'm just trying to do what he says. Uh, so that's, that's how he was feeling. I think Moses, when we get to heaven and meet him, I think it's possible that Moses may have some bad days on earth. Now, hopefully he has no bad days in heaven. But I think he was just the kind of guy that just sort of got tired for, of people from time to time and, and would talk strongly to them. But he was also the guy when God says, okay, I'm tired of these people. I'm going to wipe them out. Moses is the guy going, no, no, you can't do that. These are your people. They have your name. You, you can't just you know, wipe people out because they don't disagree with you or sorry, don't agree with you. So Moses is just a very real leader and having struggles. Verse 3, it says, But tormented by thirst, the people continued to argue with Moses, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Friends, that's always a good thing. When you're stuck, talk to God. What should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used to, the, sorry, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and the water will come gushing out. 
Then the people will be able to drink. Now, that's all well and good, friends, for you to feel that God has given you instructions. But has this ever happened where water has come out of a rock before? So this is a little bit of a step of, what's the word? Faith. What is faith? Faith is you acting on a God thought. And we're going to turn to the New Testament, look at a story in a minute of a lady who was bleeding, having her menstrual cycle nonstop for 12 years. And she has a God thought. And we're going to look at that God thought. So faith is this incredibly powerful word, and if I can say it, force. It is the power of God that when you hear God and do what God says, this thing called faith is activated. It kicks in. It doesn't always happen right away, and sometimes that's where we get a little frustrated and we give up hope. Hope is linked with faith. Hope is when God gives you a solution to a problem, your spirit goes, oh, yeah, that'll work. Yeah? You're in your doctor's office. You've been having some tests, and the doctor says, you have, and then they go dot, 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 whatever. You have cancer. You have arthritis. You have uh, high blood pressure. And many, many people, including followers of Jesus, hear another voice, Satan's voice, which says, and you're going to die. And it's going to be terrible. And you're going to suffer. Or your, your boss says to you, I'm sorry, but we're just restructuring and you no longer have a job. And then they also hear Satan saying, and it's going to be terrible. Your family's going to be destitute. And Satan quickly begins to jump in to those conversations that you heard with your ears, but now you're picking up in the spirit realm all that clutter. Everyone knows what we're talking about? Yep. (laughs) And if a doctor says you have cancer, well, the doctor's not the last word. God bless the doctor, but they're not the last word. We got like 40 doctors in our church. I love it. I just phone up my Christian friends and they look after me. We have two plastic surgeons in our church. One of them keeps wanting to, me to come in and it's like, no, no, I don't. One, it's like, I'm 66. I'm, I'm happily married. I don't need to look any different. Um, anyways. This one guy just turned 50. He's a Hollywood guy. He used to be a judge for Miss Universe. At his 50th birthday party, which I'm attending, uh, it's clients, it's staff. They have the largest private hospital in Canada. (laughs) Uh, Amazing kingdom ministry where the prophet is just into the kingdom. They fund so many Christian activities in, in Toronto. It's amazing. But the collage of the pictures that are, you know, just keep looping at a dinner, you know, you have the baby pictures and then he's got married and now first baby, second baby. And then you begin to see clients. And I go, I, I, I don't know who that is, but I've seen that person. Then you see Jennifer Lopez and you see Britney Spears, you know, hugging the doctor. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this guy connects with people. Maybe I should go and see yeah. <laughs> uh, the doctor. Anyways, what was I going to say about that? I've... I've lost track. Anyways, we have lots of doctors in the church. So it, the doctor's not negative to you when they say you have cancer. It's Satan that's trying to manipulate what has been said to bring you into fear. Yeah. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Do you know what fear is? Fear is the cousin of faith. Fear is when you believe what Satan says to you about a situation. And faith is when you believe what God says to you about a situation. And the question is, who are you going to listen to? And followers of Jesus have to train ourselves when the doctor says, you have cancer, and before we get back to our spouse or back to the car, we're already mulling over, oh my goodness, they say i got two years to live. And, you know, you're running through all those scenarios where what we're supposed to do is quietly sit down, and as you've been taught, And as you know, we say, Daddy, you're my father. What do I need to know? Can I be at peace in your presence right now and talk to me? What's your plan for my life? Correct? 
And that's the thought we need to hold on to. And usually that thought, no one else hears. It's just you. And so when you talk to your spouse, as my wife did many, many years ago, to say, God's going to give us a house, she heard it and she believed it, but I didn't hear it, and so I'm making fun of my wife and I'm teasing my wife. How are we going to get a house? We don't even have a good salary. You have to have two salaries in Toronto to be able to afford a house. It's like London. It's expensive. You better have rich parents. Yeah? And so the challenge is holding on to what God says. So Moses in this story has one of these statements that God says in order to solve a big problem, water, and God says strike the rock. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah? And it sounds easy to say, okay, yeah, I'll do that. But no, friends, this is... This has never been done before. It's like Noah building the ark. How many times did God talk to Noah before he started building the ark? Once. And he started building an ark that took him 100 years to build. One word. That's why he's listed in Hebrews 11 as a hero of faith, of acting on a God thought. Correct? So, anyways, we have this story. So, Moses... Uh, struck the rock. This is the middle of verse 6. He struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Friends, that's how breakthroughs happen for you. This story isn't just a story. This is a principle. That's why it's in the scriptures. When God speaks, we receive it and we have a choice. Yes or no. I believe it. I don't believe it. And as I've already said, often we're going to have Satan come alongside and really try to come at us just like he did with Adam and Eve and say, did God really say you can't eat that fruit? And when Jesus has just been baptized and has just received the Holy Spirit at his baptism and now he is taken by the Spirit, Jesus didn't know that he's going to go into the desert. All of a sudden, and he's gone. He's transported. The people at the baptism... He's in the water, and where'd he go? He's gone. He was transported. He didn't know that that was going to happen because it's the spirit that did it to him. And then for 40 days, he has Satan going, really, really, really? You think you're the son of God? Really? Are you sure? Prove it. Yeah. So this is, friends, is the battle of life and the breakthroughs that you have in your business, with your family, Every part of your life come when God speaks to you and says, do this, do this, do that. And when we say yes and we strike the rock, when we say yes and we do what he says to do, breakthroughs are possible because of the power of faith. And that's what faith is, is acting on a God revelation. I'd like you to flip to Mark chapter 5. Let me just get it in my handy-duty phone here. Mark chapter 5, and let's go to this story of this lady. And it begins, where is it? Does anyone find the verse of the lady who's been, verse 21, okay, perfect, thank you. That's it, okay, let's go to verse Verse 25, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. So Jesus is living in a town called Capernaum. Anyone been to Israel and been to Capernaum? Yep. So these folks know that there's like 75 excavated houses. Uh, Each house is very small. It's like this right here is a house. Like the size of your toilet is a house. Am I correct? Say yes. Yes, thank you very much. And there's like 75 houses have been excavated and there's this incredibly large synagogue that Jesus attended. The foundation stones would have been stood on by Jesus. And Bible says that one Roman centurion who was the chief of police, as it were, for that city donated the money and built that huge building that dominates. It's probably like, what, maybe one-eighth of the, of the space. It's just a big, big building that every single person would be able to worship God at in this synagogue. Anyways, that's Capernaum. 
and Jesus lives there in a house, and we don't know where the house is. He gets out of a boat from Tiberias. He's crossed the Sea of Galilee, and because Capernaum's on a cliff uh, above, uh, the people can see that Jesus is coming. They've heard that's his boat, and a whole bunch of people rush down the, the, the hill to escort him back up to his house. One man named Jairus, who is the ruler of the synagogue, meaning he's the guy who hires the rabbi, wealthy man probably, and he humbles himself and says, you have to come to my house. My 12-year-old daughter is dying. Remember that story? While he's escorting Jesus, people begin to come out of Capernaum. And if you've been there, uh, the road that takes you from the Sea of Galilee up the hill to where the town is, it's like there's sort of one road uh, to do that. And that's where the market is. That's where all the hustle and bustle of the, of the city would be taking place. And so he's got to go through the people to be able to get to the houses and in that, this story happens. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she'd spent everything she had on them, but she'd gotten no better. So not only has she got extreme health issues, low blood pressure and all those uh, kind of things that come with a lady having her menstrual cycle, but... She's had the misfortune, if I could say it, of having to see doctors for help who can't help her, don't know how to help her, and all her money's gone. So now she's in poverty. We don't know if she's married. We don't know if she has children. We don't know any of those things. But it says she's get, gotten worse, 12 years every day worse. And she'd heard about Jesus. And as she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, this is her God thought, friends. It says what her God thought was. If I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Ooh, that's a good God thought, isn't it? What's her problem? Health. Not good. Like, potentially this is life-threatening that this lady has. And maybe she's asking God for help. We don't know. But she gets this thought. If you touch the hem of his garment, if you touch the bottom of his jeans, as it were, you'll be healed. Friends, there's a problem with this. Anyone try to figure out what the problems are for this lady? She's unclean. Thank you, Pastor Dan, who knows the Bible really well. The book of Leviticus says that if a lady's having her menstrual cycle, she is unclean and not allowed to be in public. And if she accidentally or intentionally touches someone as she's going through a crowd, and oh, I'm sorry, she has to say to Dan, Dan, I'm so sorry, but I am unclean right now, and so now so are you for 24 hours. And Dan has to go to his house and isolate for 24 hours and have five baths, showers, to ceremonially clean himself so that he's ready to go back in the public. And so this lady has that against her. Yep. That she's not supposed to be in public. And yet she's had a God word. And friends, this is how faith usually works. Is you have a problem, you have a God thought, and then there's another reason why what God said shouldn't work. It's just how it goes. Because God really cares about, do you believe what he said? Do you believe what he said? And this lady does. And so she's happy to break protocol. She's happy potentially to have a conversation with 10, 15, 20 people to say, I'm so sorry, but I know you haven't seen me in public for a number of years. It's because, and I'm sorry, but you are unclean. Unless it's true and she gets healed and she's not unclean. Correct? So she takes that risk. And that's another way to spell the word faith is R-I-S-K. It usually sounds really good when God speaks it because it creates hope in us. But as we start working it out, that's when the, the struggles come. So here she has this thought, if I touch his robe, I will be healed. She touches his robe. In verse 29, immediately the bleeding stops. And she could feel in her body that she'd been healed from her terrible condition. Jesus realized that healing power had gone out of him, and so he turned around to the crowd and he said, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look, the crowd's pressing against you. How can you ask who touched me? Basically, they're saying, everyone's touching you. You're famous. 
Everyone just wants to have a selfie with you, wants to get an autograph, wants to rub shoulders with you because of what you're doing. But he kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And Jesus said to her, look at what Jesus says. Daughter, your, what's the word? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Go in the most content that you could ever be in your life, knowing that you did the right thing. You did a God thing. And because you were brave enough to act on revelation, your faith and what God said, that's how you got healed. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. And just the story goes on to say, just as everyone's going, oh my goodness, uh, two men come up to Jesus because Jairus is standing right there. And you can just imagine Jairus, come on, Jesus, we've got to get going. My daughter's dying. My daughter's dying. My daughter's dying. And these two guys come up and find Jairus and Jesus. And they say, they whisper to him, but loud enough that Jesus hears, don't bother the rabbi anymore. Your daughter's dead. Remember that story? And what does Jesus say to Jairus? Remember, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't know the future, friends. He's functioning as a human being fully. He, if you remember Philippians chapter 2, even though he is God, he has, he has disconnected with all of his God, his natural God abilities to know the future, to see everything going on. He is completely functioning in the spirit realm as a trainer for us in how to function in the spirit realm. So he doesn't know that this little girl is, is, has just died until he hears it from these men. And Jesus' word to Jairus, this dad, is just belief. Yeah. Well, what was his belief? Well, you have to go back in the verses we didn't read. But he humbles himself when Jesus gets off that boat and he falls in his knees and he says, Would you, if you touch my daughter, she will live. He'd had a God thought that morning. My daughter's dying. What do I do? And his God thought was, if you get Jesus to touch your daughter, she'll live. And so now Jesus, this is a big problem. Now she's dead. And Jesus goes, no, I think your word is still good. Let's go to the house. And what does he do? He touches the daughter. Says two little words. Little girl, that's one word in the Hebrew. Get up, that's one word in the Hebrew. Two little words. They're long, but <laughs> two words. And this girl's back to life. First resurrection of Jesus. He'd never done it before. Friends, Jesus lived his whole life. All the things that he did on planet Earth, the healings, the incredible teaching, the insights, was all listening to his father and doing what his father said. If you've read the book of John, you'll see a phrase that keeps popping up over and over. In fact, five times in John's gospel, Jesus says this, I can't do anything. I can only do things if I've heard my daddy, if I've seen it, if my spirit knows it. That's how I live. That's how all the stuff's happening. I'm being led by the spirit. And Jesus always said yes when he had a God thought. We can do this, friends. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. Oh, look at that. I put that. Thank you, Jesus. That just made me look really good right there. I always set my alarm to stop talking and start doing. Uh, and so we're going to start the doing. That was, thank you, Jesus, for that. You know, just made, I need to tell my wife. Yes, watch, watch the video. So let's just talk about uh, health things really quick. Are there folks in the room that have a health challenge and you know that God's spoken to you and said something like, I got it, it's going to be okay, you're going to be healed, you're not going to die uh, of this issue, etc. How many of you, first of all, have a health challenge? Wave your hands. Okay, like I got a whole bunch of them, a little like high blood pressure and... Um, Thick glasses and all sorts of the little things. Yep. 
And how many of you feel that you've had a God thought about your health, but you haven't seen the results yet? Where are you, friends? Okay, there's a number of you. How about everyone in that category stands up? If you're okay for prayer, how about you stand up? So if you have a, a health challenge, God's spoken to you, but you haven't seen the positive result yet, stand up, please. And this is family time. Yep, just like having a meal together. We're going to pray for our friends. Would that be all right? Can I just tell you, I'm going to just stop for a moment before we come to you. I'll be back in 30 seconds. We did one of those community fun things uh, six weeks ago. And we skipped the sermon. And instead of having board games, our budget's a little bit better than yours. (laughs) We had... We had laser tag for the teens and adults. We had a petting zoo for the kids, like lizards in the building. Not, not sheep and goats, but like the little furry rabbits and things like that. We, yeah, you have a puppy out there. It doesn't count. Uh, what else did we do? They had face painting, bouncy castles all inside our building. Our building seats 2,600 if it's packed. Uh, anyways. And the, that we had, everyone had a bingo card. And the bingo card had little categories that said, find someone who speaks Spanish. Well, that's usually every third person for our church. Uh, find someone who was born in Mexico. Find someone who speaks French. And we just, it was to, you know, just engage. And then we had prizes for everyone who filled in the card. And then the best part, it was announced. Outside are six food trucks. All of it's free today. Yeah. Boom, that's what we did. <laughs> we had people say, best day of church ever. One of my friends, he's my age, uh, English, his wife's German, and he, he works for a city community center, and he's a, he cares about his neighbors. He's always trying to bring friends to church. He brought five friends to church that Sunday, and they had a barbecue afterwards at his house because he didn't know about the food truck stuff. So they had a barbecue at his house, and he's asking them, what did you think? And all five said, that was the best church meeting I've ever been to. And he's thinking they're going to talk about the food and the games. No, they were talking about the worship and the flow of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So these folks that are standing, can I get five or six people around each one just to stand up, go, put your hands on their, on their shoulder? Ask permission, first of all. Is it all right to put our hand on your shoulder, to grab your hand? Would that be all right? Yep. I just want to share a testimony just to raise faith as well. So um, this morning... As usual, I was on the door welcoming people and Claudia, one of our wonderful youth, walked in with one eye shut looking like she had been asleep in the car. I was like, oh, are you just waking up? She's like, no, I've got a migraine. I can't open my eye. And I was like, well, that's not good enough. Let's pray. And she got immediately healed on the spot and was completely set free from a migraine she'd been suffering from all morning, which is awesome. So praise the Lord. So God is healing already today. Perfect. All right. If the person that stood is comfortable to take 13 seconds, 10 seconds, 12, 15 seconds, just share really quick what it is. It's my heart. It's my indigestion. It's my hearing. Just tell them the, the genre of what, what kind of healing breakthrough do we need. Okay, I'm just thinking, I just had another God thought, so we're going to go with my God thought because that's my sermon today. (laughs) How many of you have physical pain in your body right now and you're not in this group that stood up? How many people have physical pain? Can you stand up as well, please? Stand up, put your hand up. And those of you around these people, go to these people and say, I'm going to, we're going to pray with you right now. So keep your hand up until like three people come. So there's a gentleman back there, people up here, lady right here. So church, just move around, find someone. Church is everyone participates. And if you don't mind just saying, well, the pain's in my knee, the pain's in my back, give a quick little overview where it is. And those of you that have been a part of Catch the Fire London, you will know that Steve Long has, a, has three prayers based on the three categories of prayers that Jesus did. So friends, Jesus, (laughs) he treated everybody uniquely, but there's general categories of how he prayed. And the most common, uh, 80% of the ministry of Jesus was he touched people and he said a command. Yeah? So I would like you, 
if it's appropriate to put your hand where that pain is, where that problem is, if it's not appropriate to touch that spot, just hold their hand, put your hand on their shoulder. But if it's, if it's okay, let's just do that. So we're going to pray three prayers. This is the most common of Jesus. Was he just relied on the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And we have this whole doctrine in the New Testament. Churches for 2,000 years have put their hands on people copying what Jesus did because it worked with Jesus. And remember, he's functioning as a human being with the Spirit of God on him. And so when you're touching your friend, it's, yes, it's you touching them, but it's the Spirit of God underneath your skin that's doing the work right now. So, Daddy, we say, come and heal these people right now. And those of you that know what it is, uh, for example, if it's their hearing, I want you to say a command. Your ears open. Your heart functions properly. The pain in your bones of arthritis, it stops. Say the prayer as a command. Say the prayer as a command. Okay, let's jump to prayer number two. Uh, about 25% of the stories of Jesus healing people, part of their healing was he discerned that there were spirits that were aggravating the problem, and if the spirits left, that person would be healed. And perhaps the most dramatic is a, is a man who had, uh, uh, what did he have? He had a, a withered arm. It's atrophied. And the people, knowing that they're going to try to mess Jesus up and make trouble for Jesus, put this guy in the front row so that Jesus couldn't help but notice him. And Jesus picked up on what was going on, and he, and he highlighted the man. Is it okay to heal this guy on a Sabbath? And everyone's going, no, it's not. And he goes, well, I think it is. And he said, stretch out your hand. And the withered hand just went boink. And everyone had to stop being angry at Jesus because they saw a miracle that they could never seen before in their life. And only God can do that kind of stuff. So those of you ministering, I'd like you to say the amen to my prayer. Father, any and all demonic influences that are holding people in pain, holding this disease and it won't let go, even sometimes the doctor's medication that they prescribed has not worked. And a pill won't stop a demon, friends. A shot won't stop a demon because it's in a different realm. And so we take the authority that Jesus has given us as followers of him to say, anointing come. And if you remember, there's five purposes for the anointing according to Jesus. And one of them is to open the eyes of the blind. That's healing. But another one is to set captives free. And so we speak to you and we say, every place where your body's been taken captive by a, by a demonic spirit, we loose you from that in Jesus' name. And those of you that are with your friend, just snap your fingers and just say, it's gone. It leaves. Jesus wins. Satan loses. The Holy Spirit comes into your body and begins to untangle you. I don't know if you've ever been in a barn and you sort of accidentally walk into one of those big spider webs and it's just like, Ew. and it takes like 30 seconds to get it off of you. Well, that's what the anointing does for spirits. It just gets you out of these cobwebs in the name of Jesus. And then, friends, the, the last genre of prayers for Jesus, it's only twice, but it's a big deal. Do you remember the story of four men who brought a friend to Jesus and they can't get him in the building because there's too many people? They go to the roof. Why did they go to the roof? A God thought. Open up the roof and Jesus inside the building, what does he say when he sees these four guys doing what they're doing? <laughs> He says to them, your faith, says he saw their faith. He saw them acting on a God thought. And because of that, he knew that he was empowered now to speak to this man who has never walked and to say, stand up, except he doesn't say stand up. Do you remember what he says? Your sins are forgiven. Ooh, that's different. So twice, Jesus, instead of saying something like be healed deals with an internal choice of forgiveness. And so those of you that are standing and your friends are with you, I'd like you to just to imagine this. Keep your eyes closed and pretend that you're the person being let down 
on that mat. And Jesus is right there. And only he can hear this. So you don't need to say this to anybody. But he sees you. And he knows exactly what's going on. Because he's had a a thought from the Lord. And he says, your sins are forgiven. What's Jesus talking about? You know. And I want to encourage you just to agree and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for holding anger and bitterness to whoever that person is. You know what it is. And just agree with Jesus right now. And that one little prayer that this man agreed with Jesus about forgiving whatever it was, it's not in the scriptures. We don't know it. But it worked. And so when the people said, you can't talk like that. You can't minister like that. And he goes, yeah, I can. Which is easier, to forgive someone or to say, stand up? And they they didn't want to answer. And he goes, well, we'll do both then. Stand up. And the man stood up and again, Everyone in the house was forced to say, this is the best miracle we've ever seen. And they praise God. So we speak that over your body right now. Every single person be healed right now in Jesus' name. All the sickness, all the disease that falls off of you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, those of you that are standing, check your body. See how you're feeling and tell your friends. What are you feeling different? If you had pain in your elbow, check your elbow. If you couldn't bend over, try that. See where you're at. Some of you, it may be sort of an internal thing where you're just full of hope right now. It's like you just, you just had a God encounter and, and the Lord's saying, like, we got this. Okay, friends, look at me. How many of you are feeling a little bit better or a lot better? Wave your hands. A little bit better or a lot better? Perfect. Okay. Can I, can I get the people putting their hands up? Come on up to the front real quick. Five seconds. What happened? Do you want to interview them? Okay. Everyone else can be seated. Perfect. Young man, what was wrong? Uh, just had a, I've had a lot of pain in my knee. And when I came in this morning, the, um, I had quite a bad pain on the front. And I was just saying, it's still feeling a bit stiff, but I'm not getting the pain right in the front, so it's improved quite a lot. Yeah. Perfect. Who prayed for you? Uh, okay. Those are anointed people, I can tell. Look at him. <laughs> He's got gray hair. Look at that. Perfect. All right. Thank you, sir. Right. Awesome. What happened? Um, what was the challenge? Um, I have um, symptoms of sciatica around my back. Okay. I'm just going to clarify here things for Try not to say, I have, and then say a problem. Try to say, I've been diagnosed with. Because you, you don't want to claim ownership for a sickness. That'd be all right? Help each other to speak it in the positive. Because now you're giving room for God. When you say, I've got cancer, you've taken ownership of cancer. As opposed to say, doctors have said I have cancer. I'm not receiving it, and I'm waiting for my miracle. It's just a tiny little thing, but it helps. That'd be all right? Perfect. So you're diagnosed with? Um, uh, a sciatica. Okay. Uh, and that's painful. E- yes. And what happened when people were praying? Um, it got um, uh, less and less painful. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Can, I just, can I just say, how many of you have had sciatic problems? I had it for a week, friends. Sandra and I were in a prayer walk across Toronto. We were dividing our city up. It's like 40 miles, like 65 kilometers from one, the technical boundaries from one side east-west. And we had a team walking with us, praying. We weren't praying demons away. We were just saying, Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, come. Bless this business. Bless this business. And the Monday afternoon, I am racked with pain. I go and see my chiropractor, who's a discerner. He's a follower of Jesus. And Bruce says to me, Steve, what have you been doing? And I said, I'm on a prayer walk. And he goes, no, you're not. You were on a pick up, pick up every demon walk that you could find walk. That's what you were on. You're just covered with the demonic. And anyways, he prays it off of me, and I'm fine. Tuesday, same thing happens, but he doesn't work Tuesdays. <laughs> Wednesday, same thing happens. I go see him Wednesday afternoon. He goes, Steve, what are you doing on this prayer walk? And I go, we're just blessing. That's all we're doing is blessing. He goes, well, not, you know, something's wrong. 
Friday, we start the prayer walk, and I cannot walk more than 100 meters, and I'm just racked with pain, and I'm crawling back to the car, crawling on hands and knees on a city street back to the car. Yeah? Guess what I did? Every person needs to have a Nigerian or a Ghanaian friend who knows how to clean them out from demons. I phoned my, my Ghanaian friend, and I said, I've you know, told him what's happening, and I went, he and his wife spent an hour praying in tongues over me, and then said, in the name of Jesus, out, and I was 100% better with one prayer. Have to have Nigerian friends, Ghanaian friends. Yeah, do you have some of those? Okay, so how do you, how do you feel now? Do you want to just bend, bend around? Better? Yeah. Yeah, you can say worse. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not worse. It's better. It's okay. better. It's yeah, good. it's Perfect. better. All yeah. right. Better than when it was back there. Yeah, it's uh-huh. better than when it was back there. So, so do you know what was happening? She didn't realize I was holding her hand. We're just letting more Holy Spirit go in. Oh. I'm telling a story. Her faith is going up. She's going, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. That's how you do it, friends. Yep. Friends, when you talk with a friend in the coffee shop. And you've got no experience of sciatic, and they've got sciatic. Tell someone else's story. That counts too. Yep. Build up their faith. If it's appropriate, hold their hand. <laughs> if it's not, just then don't, and let God do it. Amen. All right. Perfect. Next, sir. What was the challenge? Uh, shoulder pains. Um, so basically, you've been having a challenge with my shoulder. Um, and it feels a lot more better now. Okay, very, very good. Who prayed for you? Uh, okay, a uh, Ghanaian friend? Okay. <laughs> very good. Friends, I'm telling you, Africans, and by the way, I'm partial to Africans. I don't know if you know this. My first five years, I was in Malawi. I was on the wrong side of Africa, but still, it's Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah your wife was more perfect. Okay, that's all right. I was raised in Malawi. Yeah, I don't know if that's better or worse. Anyways, different topic. Good, so you're better. Do you want to demonstrate? There we go. Perfect. Already. Good. Yeah, what was your challenge? Um, so I had sort of like numbness. Well, I, when I came into the service, I had like a numbness on my hip. Um, I didn't really take it seriously, so I was praying for somebody else um, and didn't put myself forward. But I was like, well, I'm just going to put my hand here and just see what happens. Um, and then as I was praying for someone else, I got healed. So awesome. Perfect. Well done. Are you up here too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, had, I was diagnosed with double pneumonia in 96. The lungs have never been great since then. And for the last eight weeks, I've been coughing and wheezing. Went to the doctor last week, sent me for an x-ray. So it's still not, it wasn't great. But then Rita, Ghanaian, (laughs) my wife, born in Malaysia, uh, Malawi, Malawi. (laughs) and uh, Debbie. Nikki, sorry. Sorry, forgive me. (laughs) Uh, Nikki prayed for me, and I could just feel a warm feeling going through, so... Very good. Just trust him for complete healing. Yeah, so Daddy, just take, may that warm feeling actually be healing that comes and just cleanses him. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just go back to that story of Jesus, friends? How did Jesus know that that lady was healed? The Bible says he felt it. So what does that feel like? Have you ever had one of those? When you're praying for someone, you get a surge of the Holy Spirit in you. I think that's what Jesus felt as, he's, as everyone's touching him. All of a sudden, he had one of those and he goes, I know what that means. Someone just got healed. Where are you? Yeah. yeah. So be aware, friends, that when you're talking with your friends in a coffee shop, in their home, then you get something like that, even if it's not that dramatic. You get a little surge God just did something and be bold and say, what just happened? And you're going to notice in their eyes, if they've got pain, they're sort of trying to, you can see in their eyes, they're searching, trying to figure it out. And it's amazing when it happens. And you know what they're going to say to you? How did you know? And guess what your answer is? Well, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And he just told me you just got healed. That's why I said what happened. Where did you learn that? My church. 
Amen? Amen. Are we supernatural or not? We are. We are. Amen. Everyone stand up one more prayer before Dan gives the benediction. Do you do benedictions? I can do. You can do, okay. <laughs> yeah. A benediction is a very good thing. A bened- my, uh, one of my grandsons is named Benedict. I'm holding him in my arms like maybe 20 minutes after he's been born. And I said, what's his name? And they said, Benedict Fisher Long. And everything in me was wanting to say, what kind of stupid, half-hippie, yuppie um, name is this? And I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. I, my, my word for that year was restraint. That was what the Lord was teaching me. And I, instead of saying, thinking that, is what kind of crazy name did you give my grandson? I said, what does Benedict mean? Because all I can think of is the Pope. And they said, it means blessed one. And it was like I had a gush of the Holy Spirit telling me that this little guy is blessed. And he absolutely is blessed. He is the number one influencer in his school for justice. He's nine years old now. Amazing little kid. He was sick one day. And um, I just, Sandra and I happened to be there. And we prayed for him. And he's well. All of a sudden he's well. He goes, I think I can go to school. We walked him to school. And it just happened that his class was all outside doing something. And when they saw him coming, they all clapped and cheered for him coming to school. Wow. Yep. He's blessed. So a benediction is a blessing. So I'm going to give the, uh, one blessing, then you can do number two. So, Father, I'm blessing everyone that's in this room and those of you that are watching, that you be led by the Spirit this week and that you get God thoughts for yourself and for others. Moses, God thoughts were for the people to help the people. Millions of people needed water. And you gave him a divine idea that worked because he was obedient. He did what you said. And Father, for us, with our own situations, when a problem comes, help us to lean in and say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? What do I say? What do I believe? And Father, may we hear from you this week. May we have dreams. May we have revelation as we read the scripture. A verse just jumps out. A thought comes to mind. Circumstances all of a sudden say, this is what God's wanting you to do. And so, Father, may we act in faith this week. May we, may we be obedient to you. May we be led by the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Dan.